Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ. So this past November, I had the opportunity to lead a group of about 30 people over to Israel. It was my, my second time over there. I had first gone in 2008. I was supposed to go in 2019, but because of COVID, that turned into 2021, and finally 2022. It was, it was quite an, an epic journey for all of us that went. We, we sang hymns on a boat in the middle of the, the Sea of Galilee. We traveled to the not-so-little-anymore town of Bethlehem and watched our guide say to us in the basement of the Church of the Nativity, Behold, the exact location where the Christ child was born. We dipped our toes in the Jordan River. We floated in the Dead Sea. We saw just about everywhere there was to see in Israel. But I would submit to you that probably the most dramatic, relaxing, and tranquil place that we went was the Garden of Gethsemane. While there are a lot of places in and around Jerusalem where people aren't exactly sure what happened where, the Garden of Gethsemane remains the Garden of Gethsemane, olive trees and all. And that's what makes tonight then such a privilege for me. As we continue our series Crossbound, as we watch Jesus resolutely making his way from place to place and ultimately the cross, we go into that garden and we see drama unfold. The drama in that garden sort of plays out like, a, like an action movie. There, there are crowds coming in. We're, we're told that as many as 600 chief priests and their, their bodyguards and the Roman legionnaires and the group that just wanted to see what was going to happen, as many as 600 people came into that garden. We see bewilderment. We see confusion. We see the unexplained. But in the midst of all of that, we see an almighty God who had every single thing under control. And why? Because that almighty God is also our ever humble Savior who is willing to do what needed to be done. As we catch into our text from Luke, it's after what had transpired in the upper room. It's after Jesus had laid flat on the ground and prayed to his father three times in the garden with sweat like blood dripping from him. But that's when things turn really strange. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up. And a man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? The stillness of that night was immediately shattered with the torches that were lit bright so the mob could tell where they were going and how they were going to find this public enemy, number one. And as that crowd came in, 
to help the betrayer get paid, we see Jesus step forward. We see the betrayer have a, a horribly planned kiss, and then Jesus expose him for the fraud that he was. But not everybody was willing to go that quietly. When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. I know it's your first week back from spring break. It's my first week back from spring break, but I have to ask you another question tonight, even though you've probably been asked enough of them today during school. What would you have done that night? Just parachute into the garden right there for a moment. You're there with Jesus, with your friends, with the fellow disciples, and armed dudes with torches come into the garden. Would you have been brave? Would you have grabbed a sword from somebody, from anybody, and with some misguided bravery started swinging, trying to protect your Savior? Or would you have done what all of the disciples wound up doing just a few minutes later? Running off into the darkness in order to escape the dread and the wrath that was about ready to happen. I've had to wrestle with that question while writing this devotion for tonight and preaching next Wednesday in, in Middleton. And, and I'll tell you, I would love to tell you tonight, I as a 52-year-old pastor guy would have gone up to Jesus and hugged him. I would have said, Jesus, you know that we love you, but we also know that you were born for this moment. So you go do what you have to do. Now back to reality, I probably would have grabbed a sword. I probably would have started swinging at people, trying to protect them. I got you, Jesus. Hang in there. Probably all of us would have resembled the disciples in one way or another or added to the chaos or the confusion of that night. But not our Savior. Do you notice what he does? Immediately, he says, no more of this. Enough. He stands there knowing who he was, knowing who they were, and he sees on the ground a severed appendage that a moment ago had been attached to a dude's ear, a guy's ear that was coming to arrest him in order to get him, get rid of him. There's confusion. There is chaos. And yet, what does the Lord of all do? He stays calm. Because he knew that he was the Savior of the world who had come to do what needed to be done. And I don't think that should surprise us at all. That's what our God always does. That's what our God does for us. That's who he is, not only today, not only for the remainder of this school year, but for all eternity. There's something that I didn't tell you at the, the beginning of the sermon. I've noticed this both times that I've been to, to Israel. Israel is a, a metropolis. It's a, it's a hustling and a bustling city. There are Ubers and there is uh, taxis and there are 
uh, buses and all of them honk their horns at exactly the same time throughout the entire day. Except around the Garden of Gethsemane. It is remarkably quiet. It is shockingly peaceful. But it wasn't that night. Because this is what happened. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard and the elders who had come for him, am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts and you did not lay a hand on me. I've watched enough cop shows in my life to know that if cops are going to arrest somebody that they consider armed and dangerous, that, that they're going to go with max protection to make sure that they and everybody with them is protected. Well, I guess my question tonight to you is what about Jesus made as many as 600 people Think that they had to have torches and clubs and swords to go with him. Especially since they had seen him almost every day for the past three years. Was it his healing of the blind man and giving him sight that made him so dangerous? Was it the raising of Jairus' daughter? Was it his love for the poor? Or, or maybe, just maybe, it was his willingness to preach and to teach to anyone and everyone that would listen to him. Well, what's neat is at 9.22 in the evening on a Wednesday, we don't have to answer that question because Jesus himself answers it for us, saying to those who came to arrest him, but this is your hour when darkness reigns. The beating of the one from, from Nazareth was about ready to occur. He would get no sleep as they would bring him from place to place to place, and then there was the blood. It would come out of his mouth from, from the constant slaps and hits. The blood would ooze out of his back, and finally the blood would flow out of his body while he hung on the cross until his heart stopped beating and the blood didn't flow anymore. Already in that garden, Jesus Christ of Nazareth knew exactly what was going to happen to him over the next few, few hours. He knew every blow. He knew the nails that were going to pierce his hands and his feet. And yet it did not matter because nothing could keep him from that cross. He resolutely left that garden going forward with his captors because he knew sin had to be atoned for. He knew sin had to be forgiven. He knew that he had to give to us what we could never gain on our own. And that's what makes Lent, I guess, a, a little strange. It, we sing hymns in a minor key during Lent. You'll notice we didn't sing, I know that my Redeemer lives at the beginning of the service tonight. We have purple that, that is around, a somber color. We all look ahead knowing 100% the order of events on uh, Holy Week in which we look at things and places and events that cause us 
to cringe. Well, Jesus knew those things too. And he walked smack dab into us. You, you can compare the two gardens if you'd like to. The garden of Gethsemane and the garden mentioned at the very beginning of time when mankind fell into sin. It's there where God foretold that this was going to happen, that Satan would bruise his heel. But my dear young friends in Jesus, I promise you, in our Lenten worship, there is a head that is going to be crushed. And that is your arch enemy, and that is the one who tried to get victory out of Jesus. It is none other than Satan himself, the victory that Jesus gives to us. The theme that we have, crossbound, is a beautiful one. I love the opportunity to preach on it because it has that idea, that idea of resolute uh, definition, that it has that idea that Jesus didn't waver to the left or the right, but had, he just kept going, knowing what needed to be done. His love for us, my dear friends, prepared him for this moment. His knowing what needed to be done to forgive our every sin made that price paid a necessity, and he paid it. So tonight you'll leave here, and you'll get on with your very real lives. But never forget that Jesus has never let you down, nor will he ever let you down. That's what makes tonight a joy-filled celebration in the middle of the Lenten season because we have a Savior, a Savior who is worthy of our worship and praise. Tonight, during Holy Week, on Easter Sunday, and for all eternity. All praise be His holy name. Amen.